It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a special episode of The Real Forno Show. On today's episode, we have Connor Rogers of NBC Sports Edge and PFF's NFL Stock Exchange to talk big picture Minnesota Vikings. How is Kwesi Dolphamenta building this team, and what can we learn from the, his first two draft classes, both from a public and private data uh, a- analogy? Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show, managing editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire, betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website, publisher of Substack Run and Shooter, host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skull. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to an episode of The Real Forno Show at a special time. I'm Tyler Fornis. With me, as always, in the bottom right corner, producer Dave. And to my left... One of my favorite people in all of draft media. His name is Connor Rogers, NBC Sports and PFF's NFL Stock Exchange. Connor, my friend, glad to finally have you. How are you doing? Forno, I'm good, man. It's good to see you. Always good to catch up. I know it took a little while after this crazy draft cycle, but I'm happy to be here, man, and we'll have a lot of fun. Absolutely. And I, I think this Vikings team is very interesting to discuss and analyze because we had for the better part of 15 years, Rick Spielman kind of controlling these drafts, and you could really narrow in on the type of prospects that he wanted based on certain thresholds. And Aretha Hassan, when he was with The Athletic and now he's with Pro Football Network, had it late, had it like dialed in to a point where he knew exactly who was on the board and who wasn't. With Quasi Mensa, we're still trying to understand how his, his philosophy of team building is going to come into play. 
you know, coming from the world of Wall Street, integrating himself, completely immersing himself into the world of football and trying to understand how he's utilizing all this data. When you kind of look at the first two drafts of Quasi and how he's attacking certain positions and utilizing the data that, that is forward facing, like athletic testing from the combine, like what are your initial thoughts on how he's con- starting to build out this roster? I think he definitely values it, but I don't think he's somebody that, and it's a small sample size, right? He's had his two drafts. I understand this year they didn't have a ton of picks, obviously, in the top 100. They just had the first rounder because of the trades they've made, where you don't look at him overwhelmingly skewing one way or the other. And I think that's a good thing, right? And then you look at the pairing situation, of course, with head coach Kevin O'Connell. The Vikings have entered this era of the modern passing game where they are one of the teams that ultimately uh, and wisely, in my opinion, lives in 11 personnel, right? They are top seven in the NFL in 11 personnel usage. And even after, you know, letting Adam Thielen go, they are a team that obviously still values uh, that kind of offensive system as, you know, clear as day with the first rounder, Jordan Addison, somebody I think that fits what they want to do, whether it's playing inside or outside the separation at all three levels uh, the pairing of the quarterback play they have with Kirk Cousins, which is predicated, I really think, on timing and a little bit of play action as well. So I think with Quezzy, you know, it's hard. And I've learned this here in New York. The It's really tough to get a few grasp on trends, which is two drafts. Usually you start to find them in a three draft sample or there's things you track and you see after you know, that second draft would also happen in the third draft. And then you realize it's a trend with the regime. So I think with the Vikings so far. They haven't gone too off the walls in overwhelmingly leaning on analytics or overwhelmingly leaning on tape. And I think that's a good thing is that we're seeing kind of the mesh of both. I think one thing that everybody was talking about and the data kind of backed it up is his first draft, he really focused on the 10-yard split, trying to get explosive athletes uh, from a standstill position. And this draft, you had Jordan Addison, who uh, kind of fell in just under that threshold. And then you have Makai Blackman, who's in like the 97th percentile. And it it didn't really match up to last year's draft. And one thing that I know... Um, PFF Steve Palazzolo said on their draft show was Jordan Addison had like the 90th per, he was a 90th percentile speed with GPS metrics. And that's not something we have easy access to and it's not uh, public facing data. So I guess my question for you, Connor, is do you believe that like this is going to become a trend, not necessarily just for Quasi, but for teams all across the league to try and utilize some of that data? Because we've heard film guys talk about play speed versus track speed for years but now we're starting to actually get some um, actual data to start to back it up. I think it already has, to be honest with you. And you make a great point, Forno, that maybe it's not universally accepted that it has or there's not the um, you know, overwhelming nature of everybody thinking it has because it's not available to the public. Right. It's not something that you could type into your search bar and have it all in front of you and go, oh, they saw that. It's something that mm-hmm. if you are in this business, even if you're from the media side, that you might be having a conversation with a team and go, well, this concerned me. And then they can go, well, we liked his play speed and the GPS or other metrics that are pretty much the same uh, back that up. That's something that you only would know from the conversation, right? So now I can mm-hmm. sit here with the eye test. I was really high on Jordan Addison. I, I would argue that, you know, maybe in, in draft media, I, I would assume I was up there 
in terms of being the highest on him. He was wide receiver two for me. He was a top 20 player for me. I looked at the size and yes, there's some concerns there, but the 40 time I did not think really matched with the type of player I saw on the field in terms of the smoothness, the polish, the quickness in and out of breaks. I think Addison is just one of those guys that you're just going to have to get over the size and the fact that he didn't time as an elite straight line speedster and trust what you saw on the field at a really high level. A Belikinoff award winner in 2021 and then a really, really good season in 2022 where his drop rate plummeted in a good way. He really was much more natural catcher of the football. So, yeah, I think that's something that teams are – it comes down to this, right? The, the proof to me is when you look at somebody like Jordan Addison – or you might even look at somebody like, say, Flowers, which at his size, guys that don't run in the four threes at that size traditionally go in the first round. Look at the last 12 years of the draft. It's not easy to find guys that did not go in the four threes at that size. But I'm sure the GPS times and the actual play speed, uh, whether it was in practice or in games, tell all the different stories. So I like the teams lean on that because it might help you dig a little deeper of, is this guy an outlier? Or is he just a combine pro day outlier and the field results mm-hmm. are actually different? So let, let's kind of delve into Jordan Addison a little bit. I, I admittedly did not get a chance to watch like any offensive lineman this year because I, I, I just didn't have time to delve in with all my Vikings wire stuff. But I did get 67 guys watched with the Vikings focus. Addison was the fifth best that I did watch. And one of the things that really intrigued me was that route running ability, his ability to really sell the deep ball. He like just the nuance, like gave me vibes of Devonte Adams, just understanding how to play the receiver position without all the athletic gifts and just having that savvy. But with this pairing of, with Justin Jefferson, I, I find it intriguing because it, you kind of have two guys that are cut from a similar cloth. They're very technical route runners. They're deceptive with their athleticism, but neither one of them is a true burner and they're not going to destroy you over the top with a lot of speed. When you going to talk about fit here, Connor, do you think that Jordan Addison is a really good fit? Or do you think that there's something missing that they could have potentially targeted elsewhere in the draft with the wide receiver position because he doesn't have that ability to truly win over the top on a consistent level? I liked him a lot in this draft in terms of the fit. I think that you look at the Vikings, number one, know what you are. And the Vikings understand that they are an offense that feels like if the quarterback is playing in a timely manner and throwing on time and throwing with anticipation, that they have faith in their offensive line, that number one, they'll grant him that opportunity. And that number two, the route concepts, once again, going back to 11 personnel, will be drawn up that if we have the proper players in that scheme, in that personnel package, that our offense will function. And the proof is in the pudding because the Vikings were highly Mm -hmm. effective in 11 personnel last year in their pass game. So I think when you look at it with Addison, you know the type of attention that a guy like Justin Jefferson is going to command, and deservedly so. I mean, it's a pretty safe bet he's the best wide receiver in football right now, or at least mm-hmm. you don't start a conversa- that conversation without mentioning him. That's a lot of attention he commands. When you look at Jordan Addison, what is his best skill? It's the polish and the ability to get open. So if Addison is seeing less attention than your average number two wide receiver because of the threat of the number one that they have, Well, that kind of fits with what the offense wants to be. It goes back to the original point of timing and being open and separation and drawing it up the right way. So I look at it and go, right, like you look at finding that burner. And yes, I agree. You'd love that. But it feels like to me, 
the Vikings have no problem being a, I don't want to say a paper cut offense because I don't think that's what they are, but they will throw the intermediate range and have no problem doing that. Everybody loves the big play. But when you look at where the game has gone, especially a lot of teams sitting in this cover two shell, they're not affording you the opportunities to beat them on the home run anymore. They're saying, have the long drawn out drives, go, go and have eight to 12 plays or whatever you need. We'd rather surrender that to you, increase our chance of causing a turnover or for making you uh, go the long route, the hard way to score on us, then beat us over the top with the big play. And I think the Vikings, it's a little bit of a zigzag, right? As defenses start to do one mm-hmm. thing, the offenses start to do the other. And I think this is what the Vikings have been, even before we saw a lot of that cover two last year. So I like Jordan Addison. I think this is a wide receiver class where you didn't really have the luxury of picking your flavor in the first round all the time. Like 2022, you know, Garrett Wilson versus Drake London versus Chris Alave versus Traylon Burks. They were all really mm-hmm. different guys for the most part. And you can make the argument of what you need. This year, it didn't really feel that way. Jackson Smith and Jigba is kind of this power slot. Addison's a very polished receiver that feels like a prototypical number two in a high passing attack. Then you had size in Quentin Johnson, but he didn't always play to that size all the time. And then you kind of fell off this cliff of a lot of different slot guys. And I love Cedric Tillman, but I knew Tillman would be a day two guy with the injury he had this year. So it's Mm -hmm. also you can only get what the draft is affording you. And I thought there was kind of a significant drop off after JSN and Addison. Did you feel like the Vikings made the right move by prioritizing wide receiver early and then going cornerback late? Because I liked the depth in this cornerback class, but I also want your opinion on like Makai Blackman over some of the other guys. Cause I, I, I saw guys like Darius Russell on the board and that to me that I think that was the most puzzling one. I agree with you on that. Now you could do both, right? I like that. They took the wide receiver when they did, because I just, mm-hmm. once again, really liked Jordan Addison, the player. And I thought he was tailor made for this offense. When this happened, I immediately reacted on our NBC set saying as much as I like Jackson Smith and Jigba overall as a player, there's no reason Jordan Addison shouldn't be the most productive rookie wide receiver this year. I, I mean, honestly, when you look at the fit and then waiting on corner, but I agree with you. Blackman did some nice things throughout the process, of course, right? But still, I had him 178 overall. And Forno, you brought up some other corners, especially a guy like Rush, that it, it seemed like consensus was higher on them for a reason. Now, maybe Blackman goes out and proves us wrong. I mean, to kind of show you the irony uh, with a guy like Blackman, I had Jay Ward, I think almost 40 spots above him. And I understand they're very different players, but it just goes to show you that how teams view things or how value is viewed a certain way uh, can be really, really different. I thought Ward went pretty much right where I had him ranked, where Blackman, I thought it was about a full round or a round and a half earlier than I expected. But this corner class was so talented that some of these guys got lost in the shuffle. And maybe that's what happened to him. So it'll be really fascinating to see how that pick plays out because it seems like you, uh, who obviously has his finger on the pulse of Vikings fans, it seems like that's the pick that everybody's looking at and going, well, they're either really right or really wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where everybody else was wrong and they were right. Those are always some of the most fascinating picks of the draft. I can understand wanting to go to that Colorado 2021 secondary. They just got the wrong guy. They should have got Gonzalez. But that's that's neither here nor there. What um, One more thing on the cornerback class, and I, w- I want to get your thoughts on um, the savior of the Vikings organization, Jaron Hall. But this cornerback class, it feels like 
there were so many talented guys that it maybe a round three to round five disparity isn't that big of a deal considering how varied this cornerback class was and how many different types of players were kind of in it. Do you kind of feel the same way? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I think that's a really fair point, right? It's a matter of what you're looking for. Are you looking for a twitchier player? Are you looking for a long press man? Are you looking for somebody with recovery speed or ball skills or a good tackler? It was just a really, really good corner class. I mean, I ranked, I think, 300 players total. And the most co- most players um, in a position group was wide receivers. I had 40, I had 40 in that top 300. And then it was corners, right? 36 in the top 300. That's a really, really deep class. And mm-hmm. a lot of them weren't in the 250 to 300 range. A lot of them were in that top 200 range. Like I said, with Blackman, Jay Ward, obviously both guys that are Vikings now. And Ward's kind of an interesting player because, you know, I stacked him as a safety. And, and that's a whole other conversation of what's a safety yeah. anymore versus a nickel versus a corner. I mean, we could be here for four hours at this point, mm-hmm. but you get the point. So, yeah, I think that really did matter, especially for a corner class that had guys with size, had smaller guys that were probably better coverage players. But the overall concern of players that are five, seven to five, nine, ultimately translating at the next level, especially outside the slot or they pigeonhole yeah. to the slot that mattered to teams a lot, too. So it was definitely a lot of debate amongst this corner class, mostly because of how talented it was. And. You look at that senior bowl group, which obviously the Vikings had no problem plucking from. There was a lot of talented depth players on that field as well. Yeah, there absolutely was. And one of those guys was uh, BYU's Jaron Hall, who I may be his biggest fan outside of his family. Um, from I, day I love one, the pick. you have been. Yes. I, I've been a big guy, uh, supporter of his, but we also have to look at the reality. He's a fifth round pick, um, but he's not the same 25 years old that Hendon Hooker was because he's only 23 in a football sense because he did spend two years on that Mormon mission and he dealt with injuries and you saw it at the senior bowl that high ankle sprain really impacted a lot of his accuracy um I I know you aren't necessarily um his biggest fan like I am when you look at Jaron Hall and his potential especially because he translates from almost playing the same offense just with more spread out concepts that he's going to play in Minnesota. Like, how confident are you he could maybe, at the worst, be like a bridge starter for the next guy? It's going to be really interesting. And you bring up a great point about that injury because I thought he had a really, really rough week in Mobile. I was so intrigued by this guy when I watched him last summer, especially when you look at the athletic background. I mean, this is somebody that was on BYU's mm-hmm. baseball team, right? So there's it's just a really, really good athlete. 
a lot of unique throws off platform, a lot of abilities to make plays outside of the pocket and push the ball down Mm -hmm. the field uh, and an offense that has no problem letting you do that. So I thought he was a draftable player for sure. I mean, to me, he was absolutely a draftable quarterback, which is a pretty big accomplishment in this class. Once you got outside the top five guys, I think. And I think with Hall, you like the arm talent. Once again, you like the quick twitch athleticism. It's going to be very curious to see if they can get him comfortable and confident playing in structure. He is a smaller guy. Um, and once again, it'll come down to what kind of leaps does he make playing and rhythm playing with timing in an offense where that's what they're going to ask of you as well. Mm-hmm. So listen, I always like taking a swing on an arm, get an arm in there, see what you have, um, see if you could find, cause if, I'll tell you what, if you draft a quarterback on day three and he ends up being a reliable backup for you, that is a massive win in today's NFL where every single quarterback seems to be missing time each year. And Paul has all the raw ability to do that. The age didn't really bother me at all. I would say my concerns were overall were a little bit the size and how the size affected him at times. I didn't think he ever uh, throughout the process. I didn't think he looked as comfortable in the pocket as I had hoped he would be. But in terms of just raw talent, the arm ability, the movement skills, he was somebody he is somebody that I would like to see how he does over preseason and what kind of strides he makes playing with pro talent. Let me ask you this, because you bring up an interesting point that a lot of quarterbacks here are missing time. And we saw a lot in like the 60s, 70s, 80s, and even into the 90s. Guys, teams are developing like that third quarterback to potentially become that guy. And the Packers took advantage of this in the 90s, trading away Mark Brunel, Matt Hasselbeck for multiple draft picks, including getting like second rounders for these guys. The Vikings had Jay Fiedler, who started multiple years for the Dolphins in that 1998 season. Do you think we're going to start getting that third quarterback? Like, is that going to become in vogue again in the NFL just because of some of the injury history we're getting? I really do. And it's a great point you bring up that not enough people are talking about right now is you see how many quarterbacks were drafted in this draft alone. And now it has me going. How many quarterbacks were taken ultimately in this one when it seems like nobody got talked about? I mean, Forno, there was 14 quarterbacks taken in this draft. If you told somebody that on the Wednesday of draft week, they'd look at you and think you're absolutely insane. People would probably put that number around nine, maybe 10 and 14 go. And I think that, and you look at the teams that took them, a lot of them are third quarterbacks on the roster right now. So Mm -hmm. yes, there there's a couple arguments to it. One, I think the expanded practice squads that we've seen over the years have maybe helped a little bit with this. I think number two is that, yes, there are so many injuries at the quarterback position Um, And that really can make or break your season. I think number three, you know, obviously a lot of these guys are now running in today's game. That's probably leading to a lot of injuries. And I know that's not a situation necessarily for the Vikings, but you look at, it feels like more than half the league has quarterbacks that if they're not in the designed run game Mm -hmm. or a factor in the designed run game, they are running on their own as well. So I think that plays into it. And then the last point you brought up, I mean, can you turn them into an asset, right? Quarterbacks, third string quarterbacks almost seem like the penny stock of the NFL, where if that guy lights up the preseason, is there a team that goes, God, we don't have a backup. We'll flip a fifth round pick for him. I wonder if we get to that point where it's just the constant nature of I'm betting on this guy to outplay his draft position. And if the odds hit for me, I'm going to flip this into a better draft asset, or I'm going to save a lot on the cap at a position that, Hint, hint, backup quarterback is very expensive in today's NFL when you look at the salary cap construction as a whole. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it makes me laugh just thinking. I know you're a hockey guy as well. I mean, some back yeah. backup quarterbacks in the league feel like they're hovering around Connor McDavid money. It's just utterly ridiculous yeah. to think about. So, yes, I, long story short, whether it's the expanded practice squad, it's the era of the mobile quarterback and the injuries that could lead to three quarterbacks on a roster. I, I've heard already from some NFL coaches that it's something that they highly prefer. So last question, and then we'll get you out of here because I know I want to be respectful of your time, Connor. Brock Purdy, I he's in vogue right now because he ended up, like, if he wouldn't have torn his UCL, maybe it's a different game in the NFC Championship game. And he, he was undefeated as a starter leading up to that, and he was Mr. Irrelevant. And you take a look at the 14 quarterbacks drafted, 11 of which were in the top 50, including Sean Clifford, which we'll be able to laugh about until the end of time here in Vikings land. But uh, kind of looking at that, how much of that do you think is Not playing? You guys. In the, yeah, I know. Um, how much do you think is that playing into the analytical mindset of kind of how teams are looking at data to utilize in as far as team building? Because if you hit on a starter on day three, you're talking about like upwards of maybe $50 million in surplus value. It's a great point. And it's also the classic point of, is that a mirage, right? Do teams start chasing a mirage? Mm-hmm. Is Brock Purdy the reality that we'll have a Brock Purdy every year? Or is this one of those things that teams try to emulate and they get burned yeah. by doing it every single year? And you kind of default to the latter. I think there's a couple of factors in there. And one being Kyle Shanahan's system. Yes. And then two, the fact that, you know, Purdy had a role. You know this, Forno, as much as anybody. Purdy had a roller coaster ride at Iowa State. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. around national NFL level that doesn't care about the draft or college for the most part until it's draft night was like, how did teams let this guy fall so far? And it's like, no, everybody watched him. He just what mm-hmm. he was a big time prospect many, many years ago and never really got his college career trajectory back on track to really solidify himself as a day one or even an early day two pick. And that's how he fell all the way to day three. So there's weird outliers and there's weird circumstances with things like that where a guy might have not been in a good system or he might not have had talent or there might be something that you just don't know and you can't uncover. And I think at the end of the day, the day three quarterback is probably a lotto ticket worth playing because like you said, if you hit on it, and I'm not saying you need to find Tom Brady. I'm saying if you find a capable number two, which by the way, in this league, means that you are starting at some point of the season. uh, I think that, so drastically outperforms the expectations compared to every single other position. And then there's the other side of the coin, right? Where mm-hmm. you see so many starters at the running back position kind of hit from day three because of the volume play at the position right now. That's the other side of the coin saying, well, if I keep taking my swings, the odds are in my favor that I'll find something on day three at running back as well. So mm-hmm. draft trends are fascinating to me. It's something that doing the draft year round, I try to tap into each year and see how they're evolving and how they're changing because it feels like the league will always be chasing them as well until they get burned too often by it. And Brock Purdy is definitely one that is going to make teams reevaluate how they handle, how they draft, how they develop, and what assets they sink into the quarterback position. It all, all plays into that trend of the third quarterback, Connor. And I'm fascinated to see how it plays out. But I, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us today and kind of um, delivering some of that uh, really keen insight on the Vikings and Kwesi Opomets and how they're trying to build this team. Um, I know you have a ton of really cool stuff going on. Where can the people find you and some of your awesome work? 
Yeah, everything is at Connor J. Rogers on Twitter. We do the uh, PFF NFL Stock Exchange podcast. We have our own YouTube channel. If you just search NFL Stock Exchange, Trevor and I have all of our episodes there. And it's a year-round draft show. So if you can't get enough of the draft or you root for a team that uh, you think might need a quarterback of the future, it's probably a good year to be pretty invested in that as well. So it's always great to catch up with you, man. I know you've been grinding all year. You do such a great job, not just with the Vikings coverage, but with all your coverage. So always a blast to talk to you, dude. Hey, much appreciated, Connor. I look forward to uh, talking more down the line. Until then, Dave, what's the one thing we always say? Skull Vikings! <laughs> there we go, fellas. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone!